Hi everyone, and welcome to a special recap episode of This Is How We Roll. What you are about to hear is a brief recap of every episode in the Gold Hill City arc of our story. Please enjoy. Episode 1, The Road to Gold Hill City, Part 1. Flint Fireforge, the Dwarven Rogue, Mace Core Isirian, the Dragonborn Ranger, and Felosial Fleetfoot, the Elven Fighter, are in the Druid town of Greenhall. Before arriving in Greenhall, Felosial Flint, Mace Core, and their friend Jandar had rescued the mayor of Daggersford, who was kidnapped by a group of cultists. After tracking the mayor and his captors through the countryside, they found him bound and prepped for sacrifice at a cult ceremony. There they encountered Biriel the Immortal, a necromancer of legend long thought to be dead. After a narrow but successful escape, Felosial Flint and Macecore were taken to Greenhall where High Priestess of the Druids, Lanira, had a vision that these adventurers would be crucial in stopping Biriel and the blight he would attempt to spread across the land after his return. After visiting the Pool of Knowledge, Flint sees that a sacred warhammer is located in Gold Hill City in the northern mountains of Finradel. With some loner horses from the druids, they head north into the wilderness. After a day of travel, they bed down for the night, taking turns on watch. During Macecore's watch, he sees a man standing in the moonlight. The man starts thrashing and vocalizes a blood-curdling howl as he transforms into a werewolf, with his hungry eyes turned toward our adventurers. Episode 2, The Road to Gold City, Part 2 Facing off against a small pack of werewolves, the party and the DM quickly realize that they have no silvered weapons. Feeding quickly, Flint summons his wild boar, Boris, who luckily has silver-tipped tusks. Flosiel and Flint start to feel the lycanthropy flow through their veins after suffering bites, uh, but fights against fights against the infection as they continue to battle. Eventually, our adventurers triumph over the werewolves, who shrink and transform back into their humanoid forms. Immediately following the battle, Flint and Felosial chug a pair of well-placed curse removal cervezas to cure themselves of lycanthropy. Is that right? Uh, before they are fully transformed, they then continue to edge uh, to the edge of the forest and see a, a, a silver of fog-covered land spreading before them to the north. Termic with Genril and Morthos. While our main party is traveling north, Morthos music, a tiefling bard, and Genril Greenbottle, a halfling cleric, are in the northern town of Brownstone when they hear rumor of a supply wagon that has not arrived from the town of Termic. They head off to Termic to find out why the wagon has not arrived. Once in Termic, they stop at several establishments where they are told that the mayor hasn't been seen for several days and are given directions to the mayor's house. Once in the mayor's house, Morthos and Genril peek in windows and find their way inside. They do battle against a group of men who are wearing matching cloaks. With some thunderclaps and bardic inspiration, the four individuals are defeated. Upon further investigation, it seems that there were some of it seems that these were some of Burial's followers, but Morthos and Genril have rid the town of them for now. Episode three The Road to Gold Hill City Part three Now on the edge of the forest, heading north toward the town of Tum. Termic, <laughs> the party rides into some misty hills. As Macecore continues to navigate their path to the north, he feels compelled by a mysterious voice on the wind to drive his horse forward. He gallops away from Flint and Flosiel, who pursue him until their horses are spooked by the now audible voices on the wind. 
Felosiel drives her horse on and drives off of it to tackle Mace Core to the ground just before reaching the entrance to, to a cave. While trying to read an inscription on a sarcophagus in the cave, Felosiel sees a vision of a king and his son. They were terrible rulers and were buried unceremoniously, unceremoniously in, in this chamber. <laughs> The party sees two shadowy figures as the mummified king and his undead son attack the party with rotting fists. With icy glares, severed hands, and weapons flying, the battle rages, but slowly the party unravels the mummies until they eventually return to their tombs, dead once again. The party makes camp at the tomb for the night and continues north in the morning. As the day goes on, it begins to snow, and Felosio guides the group through a snow squall into a small valley, where they suddenly find themselves in the midst of a Yeti civil war. Episode 4, Gold Hill City, Part 1 Yetis block the party's path forward as two of them battle on the valley floor. Seizing the opportunity, Mace Corps fires an exploding arrow into a snowbank, and Snow rushes down, burying two of the Yetis. Flint throws a horseshoe dart, cutting the fingers off of one of the Yeti's hands, causing the Yeti to retreat, while a fourth Yeti is the only one that stays the fight. Focusing on the remaining Yeti, the party throws everything they have at him, leaving him in a burning heap. With the Yetis defeated, the party once again finds their horses and quickly heads north and out of the narrow valley. As they continue up the road, they see Termic, a small fortified town sitting at the edge of a lake. Mazecore's hawk, Hawky McHawkface, scouts out the town uh, and sees someone in a cultist robe at the gate entrance. Wearing cloaks they took from their first cultist encounter, they head towards the town where a farmer intercepts them and motions them, motions for them to come into his shack. Argent Varos, the name of the farmer, tells them that there is a person being sacrificed tonight and that they're being held in the basement of the mayor's house. Argent makes a plan to smuggle them into the, into the town in apple barrels so they can attempt a rescue. Plan in place, Argent smuggles them into town and they are carried into the house cellar. Episode 5, Gold Hill City Part 2 We join our party inside their apple barrels. They emerge and discover that they are in a wine cellar filled with a group of cultists. In a makeshift cell, they see a, a small halfling woman. Calling out to our adventurers, the halfling blesses them and gets ready to break out of her cell. All hell breaks, lo breaks loose as Philosiel starts to slice through the cultists. Macecore flashes his codpiece, and Flint and Macecore both break open giant casks of wine, flooding the cellar. Thunderclapping her way out of her cell, Genril, the halfling woman, is freed while she also crushes several cultists, cultists against, the, against the wall with a resonating thunder wave. With a few more jabs and slashes, the party rids the cellar of their foes. As they emerge from the mayor's house, the townspeople have gathered to find out what caused the commotion. Our party is welcomed as heroes, having dispatched the cultists who held the town captive. After a nice dinner, Argent Veros, the farmer and newly elected mayor, steps in to thank them uh, and for their service, and also brings them some information that a dwarf named Branthos who's a local, will take them to Gold Hill City, the resting place of the mythic hammer from Flint's vision. Before they leave the next morning for Gold Hill City, our travelers are invited to a dinner party in their honor. 
They arrive at the home of Wilhelmine Smith, a town merchant, and meet a variety of people from around the town. After some toasts, there is a scream from the study as they discover Wilhelmine Smith is dead and cold on the ground. Episode 6, Gold Hill City Part 3 Standing over the body of Wilhelmine Smith, the partygoers start accusing each other of murdering their host. Brian Blackblood, the town sheriff, has the gnomish has the gnomish butler Orlin lock everyone in the house until the murder is solved. Evidence emerges that Wil Wilhelmin's glass has been tampered with. They notice that Wilhelmin's skin is unnaturally cold. Our adventurers are presumed to be above suspicion, given their recent heroics and lack of motive. They begin to interview each other. Despite gathering minimal information from their interview, for their interviews, they do discover that Ben Oatgazer has a magic aura around his head. Sylvia proposes that Wilhelmin was killed with a rare northern poison called Cold Snap. They investigate a window and find it unlocked but otherwise untouched. They pick the lock of a drawer on the study desk, revealing Wilhelmin's will, and find out that the handwriting in the will does not match the handwriting that they, had, that they, that they find on papers bearing his signature. Episode 7, Gold Hill City, Part 4 Interviews Continue Genro, Macecore, and Flint interview Morthos Music, while Felocio visits the drawing room to get handwriting samples from each of the other party guests. Most of the town appear to be illiterate, so the writing task is nearly pointless. Most or More facts emerge. Argent used to farm for Wilhelmine until he was married, and then started a farm of his own. Orlin the butler reveals that Shay Varos's sister was in Wilhelmine's house earlier in the day and helped set up as a caterer. There is a missing key to Wilhelmine's desk and the contents of the altered will are discussed. Episode 8 Gold Hill City Part 5 As the night drags on, the interviews draw to a close. They speak with Ben Oatgazer. Once again, allowing General to dispel an enchantment placed upon him. Marjorie passed an enchantment cupcake to Stumpy Carl, one of Ben's employees, who gave it to Ben. Ben was charmed by the cupcake, resulting in his devotion to Marjorie, against his better judgment. During a search, Marjorie's outturned pockets reveal the missing key. Despite growing evidence, Marjorie maintains her innocence. While talking to Shay, Macecore notices that her dress has a small tear in it. Shortly thereafter, a thread that matches her dress is discovered outside the unlocked window in a bush. The adventurers discuss who they think the murderer is. They come to a conclusion that Shay Varos and Brian Blackwood, Blackblood conspired together to kill Wilhelmine Smith. They all depart the manor after a long night to sleep in the ice pick in resting comfortably, confident that they have apprehended the murderers. In a flashback, it is revealed that Morthos Music had a prior relationship with Wilhelmine and plenty of motive for murder. He visited Shea Varos on the day of Wilhelmine's murder and conspired with her to kill him that night. Oopsie poopsie. <laughs> Looks like we were 50-50 on that one. Shrugs. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 9, Gold Hill City, Part 6 Genril is awoken from her sleep by a clap of thunder and finds she has been transported to a plane 
where her deity Talos encourages her travel with Flint, Velocil, and Macecore to Gold Hill City on their quest. After a quick breakfast, Branthos pulls up in a horse-drawn wagon ready to head north, but first gives the party gifts from Orlin as a token of his thanks. Macecore gives a wink to Sylvia, the, only, the owner of the inn, and they head north with Branthos. As evening arrives, they stop the camp and Flint crack, cranks a lever to, to change their wagon into a tent-type building. Settled around the fire, the party reveals their true task to Branthos. They also discuss the items in their inventories. During his, his turn on the watch, Flint has an intense vision in which he sees Bane the Brave, the last king of Gold Hill City at different stages of his life. Flint sees Bane, Bane, Flint sees Bane's great power, but also how the power drove him mad, ending with his death as he drowned in a lake deep in the mountain. The next morning, they continue on to Gold Hill City and arrive at its towering gates. Driving inside, they discover a beautiful but dilapidated and long-abandoned town carved inside the mountain. Raiding some of their of the abandoned stores, they find some hooded lanterns and a, an old cask of cherry liquor. They continue down a tunnel, and all of their metal objects are suddenly ripped from their grasps as Velocial, who, holding onto her flail, goes flying down the tunnel to collide with a gigantic magnetic monster. Episode 10, Gold Hill City Part 7 Velocial is stuck to a large metal magnet monster to start, and the party runs forward to her aid. Old mine machinery lines the walls of the tunnel. Flint runs to the foot of the monster, prepared to catch Felosiel if she falls. Seizing on this opportunity, Felosiel climbs up further onto the monster to get on its back, where it can't reach her. Frustrated, the magnetic monster knocks Flint across the room. Genril and Macecore, weaponless, cast spells to try to disable the monster. A lever is pulled, and coal starts to flow from a hole in the ceiling into the tunnel. Formulating a plan, Macecore throws the keg of cherry liqueur onto the pile of coal and sets it ablaze. Felocio uses the rope from her pack and wraps the monster's legs and trips it into the fire. Genril pulls the last lever on the wall, and three minecarts start to creep forward toward the burning pile of coal. The monster struggles as it falls onto the pile of coal. Branthos spurs Boris forward and drags the monster deeper into the pile of coal as the carts collide with the burning pile and destroy the monster, its remains falling through an open grate in the tunnel floor. Episode 11, Gold Hill City Part 8 after retrieving their weapons and taking a short rest, the party heads deeper into the mountain. Soon they happen upon an old dwarven technology, a train. Not knowing how it runs, they look around the interior of the train and find dwarf-sized overalls, a conductor's hat, and a wooden train whistle. Man, I miss so much. Um, heading back to the engine, Flint throws some levers where, uh, while Felocial blows on the whistle, causing the engine to roar to life. The train starts moving deeper into the mountain, through more of the abandoned city. As they travel down the track, there is a thud on the roof of the train car. Back door flies open, and a humanoid machine steps into the compartment. Episode 12, Gold Hill City, Part 9. Upon further inspection, the machine appears to be an exosuit that has a Dorvan creature piloting it. With a sonic screech, the creature blows out the windows to the train car. With a sneak attack, Flint disables the creature with one dart. 
As a creature powers down, a second one emerges from the door at the opposite end of the train car. Working together, they bring the creature down. The car starts to move faster, so the party bolts to the front to see if Branthos is okay. As they get to the engine, they find that there are three more creatures on the outside of the engine trying to destroy it. Battling from various precarious positions along the exterior of the train, they pick the machines off one at a time, sending them tumbling under the wheels of the train in explosions of sparks. Just in time, Branthos throws on the brake as the train comes to a slamming stop at the end of the line. Episode 13, Gold Hill City, Part 10 After getting off the train, there is just one way forward. Deep in the mountain, they find a chasm and a bridge that is running perpendicular to them. Hawkey McHawkface flies across the chasm, dropping a loop of fishing line over a lever. Once a lever is pulled, the bridge swings to allow the party to cross the chasm. They continue across the bridge, delving deeper into the mountain, where they find a large cavern gilded with giant crystals. At the far end of the cavern, a spiritual guardian protects a metal door. The spirit gives the riddle to figure out which keys will get them in and out. Impatient and a little drunk, Velocio grabs wrong keys and is... <laughs> Shock so many times she goes unconscious. <laughs> After figuring out the key puzzle and reviving Felocial, the party takes a short rest before heading through the door that is being guarded. That was so bad. <laughs> that was <so> <laughs> <laughs> Episode 14, Gold Hill City, Part 11. After unlocking the door, the party enters into a massive cavern with a lake. At the center of the lake, barely visible in the dark, is a small island with something shiny glinting in the darkness. Genro casts Walk on Water, allowing the party to cross to the island. The shimmer from the island is the, ga ga is the, the, shimmer from the, island is the Gaia Hammer. When they have nearly reached the hammer, rusted metal starts to slither out of the water, forming into a giant beast. The hammer rests at its heart beneath a swirl of live, writhing, writhing metal. Branthos is hit by the Gaia Hammer and thrown across the cavern, slamming into a wall. While Genral summons a gemmed cloak from the bottom of the lake, Flint, Macecore, and Felosio continue to battle the metal dragon. Flint deals a final blow to the dragon and collapses, leaving the Gaia Hammer on the ground at his feet. As soon as the hammer touches Flint's hand, the cavern starts to quake. They quickly run to Branthos and carry him as they retreat back to the train. The train reverses back up the tunnel and they have to make a jump from the train as it arrives at a high speed into the station. From there it is a spirit a sprint from there it is a sprint as they make their way out of Gold Hill City as swaths of the underground city collapse. Episode fifteen Green Hall Interlude one point one With the Gaia Hammer in hand, our party heads back to the town of Termic and finds a letter from Lanira waiting for them at the pub telling them to return to Green Hall post-haste. While in Termic, Branthos reveals, uh, Branthos, who's been revealed to be a descendant of Bane the Brave, decides that he's going to return to Gold Hill City and attempt to revive it. General and Felosiel visit the town jail where Brian pleads his innocence. They spend the night at the Ice Pick Inn before departing. Episode 16, Green Hall Interlude 1.2 
During the night at the Ice Pick Inn, some of the party's weapons are stolen, and in the, and in the morning they find new and improved weapons, which which are a thank you gift from Branthos. With a flirtatious goodbye from Mavescore to Sylvia, they all get in the wagon that Bran has now gifted them, and they head south, deciding to take a coastal route back to Greenhall, avoiding yetis, werewolves, and barrows. When they set up camp for the night, they smell smoke and find a small band of orcs in at an abandoned cottage. Upon further inspection, they are eating a human, so the party ch- ch- charges forward, flanking the cottage and attacking the orcs. The orcs are no match for the party, and the battle is soon over. Episodes 17 to 19, Greenhall Interlude 1.3 to 1.5. The party arrives back in Greenhall just in time for the Nine Nights of New Light. The party puts their mission on hold for a day while they have some holiday fun. Jandar and Morthos are both at the celebration and join Macecor, Flint, and Genral in a flurry of games scattered around Greenhall. From Alepong to Darts, they race to collect tokens and be the first team under the Fey Tree to win the game. After collecting all of their tokens, the group of adventurers races Felosio's team to the finish, securing victory and a nice brick of fruitcake. Episode 20 Greenhall Interlude 1.6 After celebrating the Nine Nights of New Light, Morthos' music departs the grove and an errand. But Jandar sticks around. Lanira takes all five of, of the adventurers to the Pool of Knowledge, where they once again enter the pool and see several scenes in a vision. They see Buriel as a young man, channeling some great power that he loses control of, resulting in a devastating transformation. As the vision plays out, Macecor sees a dragonborn king in a desert city, gathering armies to fight. He sees that the king holds a scepter, and in fact is the same dragonborn who he has seen in prior visions battling Burial's armies many years ago. When they wake up, the pool of knowledge has consumed the the Gaia hammer, and Lanira puts some of the druids to work to find the desert location that Macecore describes from his vision. While waiting for news of where their next adventure will take them, our party gathers some supplies and their strengths, their strength to face the rising tide of evil in the land. Episode 21, Greenhall Interlude 1.7 After searching through some books, the druids of Greenhall can recommend a direction of travel, though not an exact location. There is a coastal town called Oldport, where the party can get a boat to the southern continent, Sudradel. That has a large, desertous region that may just be where the party needs to go. Taking their wagon, the party goes south past Daggersford. They, there they run into a roadblock. After paying a small toll and deciding this was not the time to fight, they continue south across a small swath of desert in Finrodel. They make their way to a river that they cross before approaching the walls to Old Port. Again, after paying a small toll, the gates are opened and the party enters the town of Old Port. We've had a lot of adventures so far. Thank you for listening to our first recap episode, and if you haven't yet, be sure to leave us an Apple Podcasts review and check out the show notes to find all the links to our social media, including our Patreon. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the rest of our adventure.